Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is about the infrastructure cult. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah. All right. We're going to have uh, fun in this episode. Yes. You got that, Sam? Yeah. Make sure you include that. Mandatory yeah. fun. Fun. <laughs> fun, 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 fun. <laughs> All right. So infrastructure cult. That's going to be the topic for today's episode. Yes. I am your host, Jared Perry, joined as always by the man with the best hair in the land, Sam Tootin. What's going on? <laughs> then I like I'm, that intro. Thanks. <laughs> see where this goes. <laughs> The the Yoda of all things that are of government with no hair in the land, Mr. <laughs> Brett. <Brettel. laughs> hey everybody. Hey. Here's a compliment. Hey, and then there here's we an immediate. Go. Yeah, everybody. This poor guy. I don't. I can't believe he works here. He gets picked on all the time. <laughs> all right. Um. So this is an episode that's uh, harkening back to an earlier episode that we did in the book of Strong Towns. Mm-hmm. Um. We had previously did a, a chapter on positions within local government. And this chapter is chapter four in this book. And we wanted to to go over it because it introduces this concept of the infrastructure cult. I want to start this off by laying a little bit of groundwork because there are a couple of quotes that start off this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, because by and large, infrastructure is something that every politician talks about. It's something yep. you hear about. We think of economic development, job creation, yada, yada, yada. And so he starts off this chapter by some pretty pretty prominent names, and I'll give you a couple here. This is America. We've always had the best infrastructure, Barack Obama. We need, once and for all, to have a very big infrastructure program, Hillary Clinton. Infrastructure. We're going to start spending on infrastructure bigly. Not like we have a choice, Donald Trump. Okay, so... Clearly, this is top of mind, top of tongue to all of these yep. quote unquote uh, decision makers and um, folks. So, Brett, you kind of brought this up. Uh, hey, we need to we need to go back. We need to talk about this. Um, I want to start out. There is a, a quick subsection in this of the American Society of Civil Engineers. I don't want to hit that today. Right. I actually um, want to hit that maybe in the next episode that we talk about a uh, Chuck Marone book about things about, mm-hmm. things. about things. So let's, let's hit that then in that episode okay. um, and move to the first portion, which is real investment paper returns. Can you lay kind of what people should be thinking this chapter is about what, what's sure. trying to be conveyed and then, I want to hear your experience, you know, in the last 20 years in the public sector yep. and then tie that in with, with Sam's. Yeah. So it's interesting because I want to say first, you know, the word infrastructure or infrastructure bill or those kinds of things have been in the public lexicon for decades. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a new thing. And we always seem to be pointing to it like it's our great economic savior. Right. And it is very important. And I will say that, you know, having you know, well-designed 
uh, capable and safe infrastructure of all types, whether that be road, bridges, water and sewer infrastructure, you know, utility infrastructure, all that. It's incredibly important. I'm not under, I'm not underestimating the importance of infrastructure at all. Not, not one bit. What I think this chapter is doing is talk is asking us to think about the way we consider the benefits of those projects and specifically the costs related to deploying those projects and the long-term costs of maintaining them and, and expanding them and all those things. And, and basically what uh, author Chuck Marone is telling us is that we're not thinking enough about the long-term cost. You know, we we're very focused on the building. You know, we can fund the building of a lot of these projects. And like Jared said, for 20 years, I was a part of helping communities get projects and I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. But I could also say on the same note, um, it wasn't always this first or second thought I had or the community had about how are we going to continue to pay for this over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50 years? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the question that this chapter is raising is that, yes, infrastructure is expensive, but let's be very realistic about the way in which we pay for it and the way in we, which we think about the cost of it and the short term and the long term. And as we're going to get into here, what does it yield for us? So I think that's kind of the background of what we're talking about in this chat, what Chuck is talking about and what we're discussing with this chapter. Yeah. Sam, what about you? For me, you know, I look at it in terms of where we're, where we're at locally. You know, we're not, we're not building new roads. You know, we're not really building new, new, new developments, new things of that nature. In if our it rural micropolitan yeah, area. To, to, for, of expansion. We might be increasing width, increasing lanes, doing a few newer or things so that's how i'm going to define define that um but here locally we're we're solely focused on i think our infrastructure maintenance or the condition of of what of what our roads look like and what i liked in the book right off the bat of this chapter was talking about how and we've seen this the last couple of years here with the income tax increase that was that was earmarked for mm -hmm streets and 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 fire protection um that the voters are have no have no problem with tax revenue or any increase of tax you know going toward these things but we don't associate we don't think we don't question really what that means and what the long-term effects of that really mean and what where that money is going for the long term um so it's because it, it will i think roads are constantly a battle that people don't think about in terms of you know, what you're paying for, how you're paying for it, and are you willing to pay for it? Mm -hmm. So it's a real segue to start looking at that in terms of, especially even local smaller municipalities of what's the real budget and balance sheet? You know, what, what are we looking at 10, 20 years from now? That's, that's a perfect segue. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, you know, that the subheading here mm -hmm. is yep. real investment. Okay, so real dollars, mm -hmm. paper returns, mm -hmm. a.k.a. you get rich on paper, I think it's uh, what's the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can't believe yeah. you didn't have that, man. I know. I quote it so often. You're the movie I got guy. allergy problems today. Right? <laughs> My brain's messed up. But I think he's talking to McConaughey in that scene, and he's like, "No, no, no, no. They're getting rich on paper. Why you're taking home cold hard cash, right? <laughs> so the paper returns is that." Yeah, air quote, this long-term effect, it'll work out. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're going in real debt. Yes. 
to do this. So kind yes. of talk through what he means here. Yep. So there's a great example here, and it, and it, and this example I think you could imagine in any community. If if you're listening to this podcast, you've certainly been privy to this this example, this conversation. So the idea is, um, we're going to add a lane to a highway, and that that lane currently carries a hundred thousand cars, and when we add this lane, it's going to uh, save each traveler 30 seconds of travel time. Mm. And so what they do is, you know, they multiply that 30 seconds of time times, times a hundred thousand. And then they come up with the number of seconds that is and the number of hours. And then they kind of add an hourly value of wage rate to that and say, this is the savings we're going to produce by this project. And to Jared's point, you know, you're going into actual real life debt to build this lane. Mm. The bank doesn't want their payment in your 30-second periods of time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, I, can't, I, I can't make an investment with little 30-second periods of time. And so that's, mm. that's what they're saying. And that's just one example of, you know, that is, a, I mean, saving 30 seconds is great. But is it worth going into X dollars of debt in order to do so, which we are going to pay back over some un- untold number of years into the future. Well, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> to have a, a real local example to that, costing you five seconds will put you in about three quarters of a million dollars in debt over the span of, of 20 years. Yeah. That's a very real thing, a very real example. Yep. And our constituency here has opted to, yeah, no, we've, we want that debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't be encumbered five seconds yeah the worst part of that is adding that lane or saving that those 30 seconds might not even be alleviating the actual issue that is at hand for travelers right so mm-hmm. it's, it's like treating the sim you know maybe like treating the symptom um so there yes we can do it and we can create a 30 second saving but is, is there something else we could do that does not cost millions of dollars that could actually produce us the same output yeah, and, and, and that would, and that becomes the question. Yeah. yeah, and so Sam, how does that play into what Brett's talking about? If you were to parlay that into safety, right? If things, if people are saving time, then most likely they're being getting from point A to point B quicker, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going from point A to point B quicker, therefore, safety most likely is going to become a concern where maybe necessarily wasn't or less of a concern when people are going slower. Yeah. Does that does that play into the the public mindset? It, I think it does a little bit, and I think what they're getting at too is is what we're not taking into account the other side, the other side of that. So saving doesn't mean saving. We save time, but we don't take into account that by saving more time for the traveler, we're also opening the door for more travelers to also sure. then u- utilize utilize those roads. So you might be saving time in theory, but you also might be adding con- to congestion. You also might be adding to the daily uh, commuter who now, even though they know they could save time, now they can go maybe faster, which is going to obviously create situations that, that could potentially be unsafe. Makes me think, you know, we've got people moving from point A to point B faster. If our traffic volume has stayed relatively consistent in a small rural micropolitan area mm-hmm. over the span of decades, yeah, right? We can't, we, we could add travelers, mm. 
I guess you could add volume by by constraining something, right? Yeah. If we turn Front Street into a one way, mm-hmm. we could add more volume to a second or a third street. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily you're then making Second Street more unsafe by making Front Street safer. Correct. Yeah. You, yep. you see what I'm saying? And I think Sam is making a great point here because think about it. And you don't need any you don't need any data to come to this reasoning. Okay. I would argue that in most travel that you do in a car, a 30 second delay or a 30 second speed up is perceptible. Like you can tell, you could sense that. Mm -hmm. So if I drive that and it's 30 seconds faster and I tell Sam, you know, I went this way and it was like faster. Mm. Sam's going to go that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And so that you don't need any data to do that. I mean, so I think that's what Sam is saying is a real thing. I mean, that's a perceptible difference. And then, yeah, well that 30 seconds, savings becomes gets eaten up with additional volume because we know it's faster and then it's slow again and then we got to add another lane right because it got slow again so and i I think i think really your self-fulfilling prophecy sure yeah and chuck i think answers the question in the book of just you know uh safety is used as part of this uh notion that what we're doing is 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 right you know this investment is right because it's safer and but we don't really know what the true meaning of, of that safety actually is because it's not thinking of the full picture. So safety, although in one aspect might be fixed or better, doesn't mean it's safer. You know, it's a domino effect, right? right. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And the safety aspect is a little more tangible because I think there are real benefits to be had in safety yeah. through some of these improvements, you know, and that's, that's like a documentable, like look at a roundabout, like, mm-hmm. Every round, I would challenge you, every roundabout out there, if there was any fatalities at that intersection before, there are zero or serious injuries now and forever in the future at a roundabout. There's more crashes because, like we've said before, only a certain number of people in the world are used to driving in a circle three feet from each other, and they got numbers on their door, like 28 and 48 and 24 and 3. Those are the guys and ladies that can do that, right? Yeah, those are the uh, guys and ladies that can do that. Brett's this. out in the garage on a Saturday <laughs> screaming at you, yeah! yeah. <laughs> I've, I've watched a lot of NASCAR in my day. But, NASCAR. you know, but there, so there are, tan- there are tangible benefits. You know, people yeah. would laugh at, yeah, we put this roundabout in. Mm. But if you think about, you probably might never have a fatality or a serious injury there again unless somebody just yeets it like the Dukes of Hazard through there. Mm-hmm. There's a tangible safety benefit to that. So there is sure. something to the safety piece, yes. Yeah. Okay, moving along. Um, so w- the next sub-chapter is accounting for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. This kind of like plays directly on the previous one, but yep. go ahead and, and dive in. So the idea here is we're talking about whether something is an asset or a liability on your financial, on the book, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, great, there's a great passage here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote from it here. I'm going to read from the, the holy text. There you go. <laughs> the holy, the holy <laughs> text. <laughs> the generally accepted accounting practice for municipalities counts infrastructure as an asset and not a liability. There is no accounting of the tax base or the revenue from the community's wealth. It's ignored. With this approach, the more roads a city has, the more pipes in the ground, the more public buildings, and the more pumps in its inventory, the richer the city is. Mm. And so what the, the point here is these are all, yes, they're assets, but they're not assets in a financial sense because you're paying money to maintain all of those. And so they're not really by their existence necessarily adding right to your bottom line. Um, 
I don't know know that you can borrow against that, you know, infrastructure value from a community. So it's not an asset in a financial sense. It's actually a liability. Yeah. That that's the point that this whole section is making. Yeah. I mean, I see what he's saying there. I would kind of you know to put it in a a, a consulting private sector. Like, so if we buy uh, all new desk furniture, right? We've got an asset now that we can depreciate. Yes. Okay. Right. But if we didn't pay cash for it, we also have a liability. Right. There that's equal and opposite. So mm-hmm. I think I think those are both soundly covered. I think what he's saying is that the idea of calling it an asset, right, doesn't mean that it's necessarily a boon. You're wealthier, you know, the long term effects of having it may outweigh the the actual installation of it sure. to begin with. Sure. Um, you're, you're not financially wealthier purely by having those. Correct. That, that, I think correct. that's the point. Yeah. Cause he has the example there of the two cities. One has a billion dollars in tax base, but one block of street, the other one has a million and it's five miles of street. And the previous, this way, previous way of thinking would assume that because there's five miles of street, even though it's 1 million, those previous calculations would say that they're more wealthier than this one billion in tax base revenue, but only one block of street. So looking at it differently than that way is obviously uh, where I think where he's getting at in, in this. Yes. So, yep. Because if you use it, because then he gets into the property value aspect of that, to where your home, that property value, that's the city's asset. Yep. I want to come back to this, this specific topic, when we get down to the very last portion where we talk about the data doesn't lie. I want to come back to that, okay, because I've got an example that we can pull from locally here. I want to move on, though, to assuming secondary effects. Sam, you had, um, when we kind of pre-chatted about this, you had Mm -hmm. some good thoughts on the secondary effects. The secondary effects there, he goes kind of over three things um, that the cult kind of pushes uh, for, which is by the infrastructure, it's a more efficient economy. There's job creation and then there's carbon reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I especially liked, I guess, of this section is the job creation and the carbon reduction. Because the carbon reduction, I'm thinking of, of political world of using that for climate change. Yes, we theoretically let people go fast. You know, there's no stops, right? It's quicker to commute. You're allowing now for more cars right. to be in there. Um, so it's really, I think, this part of the section of the chapter, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, it's more or less that. These secondary effects are used in the push for infrastructure, you know, projects. Yeah, it's challenging. You know, we're using these to justify significant investment again, yeah. debt. Yes. Um, and recognizing that those are challenging to ascertain on the front end, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not that they're not real. It's just, it, are they strong enough for you to want to go into debt for? I guess is the continuing point. Yeah. All right. So the next section that we want to we want to hit to keep this thing moving is a real return sam you were talking off mic about um some examples that he he cited uh in this book once you take it away yeah the book really gets to our our current understanding of transportation that it leads to development it leads to these things um and that is an illusion of wealth but in this in this part he talks about like japan doing a rail project they purchase property at the pre-development costs. They do the project. 
and then they sell that land afterwards because the land value has obviously has increased. Um, so they're able to, you know, make that investment, but, you know, they're able to sell and make that investment back. And he makes an interesting point on the return mm-hmm. side. So if you go a little deeper into kind of what I would call like the core strong town value, mm-hmm. there's a point there where it's like, you know, a public rail project or transit project like this is almost always cited as having a benefit to a low to moderate income folks. Mm-hmm. And they're offering, well, in actuality, that transit is spreading the development pattern out. Whereas things that are closer, more walkable, you know, there, and I'm not going to go into it, but there's a lot of information and data around it's more, it's financially resilient. It has more greater social meaning to the people that are utilizing it. So by having the transit project that spreads that development out actually probably is worse for those on the lower rungs of income that have challenges with transportation and all those other things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's always portrayed as having that benefit, but does it really? Because again, we're ma- we're actually making it harder to do the things that they probably can already do now. Right. Okay. Final, the final one. Final you ready? Jeopardy. Ready. Final Jeopardy. The data doesn't lie. So this is something that you have worked with, I guess, in your previous life, Brett. Yep. yep. Uh, do you want to kind of shed light on this whole social? Sure. So this section is talking about um, some work that the CBO did to kind of quantify the value of some of these projects and the return of these projects. And he's making the point that, I'm going to insinuate that the point is that a lot of these projects maybe don't meet the metric of dollar and cents value. That, that's, I think that's kind of the underlying sense that I'm getting here. And he, he says here, there's a sentence that says, social return. For the infrastructure cult, it's where the action is. Now, I will tell you, and I want to be on record to say this, I do think social return on investment is a very real thing. I don't know, however, I don't know that it's something that you would want to utilize as the basis for a real, hard capital investment for which you are going to spend real dollars and go into debt for. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I think social return on investment for public services, like... um, public administrative services, you know, healthcare officials, people that work in with special needs, people that work with homeless, you know, those things are often paid for by grants and things like that. And so it's hard to assign an actual market-based dollar value to what they're doing is based on, yes, we know what they're getting paid and what the grant is for, but like what value is that actually providing in the market, in the community? And trying to assign that value, and I went through this process in my previous employer, a very long process with Ohio University of School, shout out to them. And we assigned these values. And it was very helpful to understand because, you know, those programs and projects are grant funded. And so there isn't a very direct, tangible sense of what is that worth in the market. So I think social investment, return on investment is real. I don't know that social return on investment is something you want to base a capital infrastructure investment on. That, that that's yeah. that's my point. So I I do think Great. that's very real. I don't think it's a good starting point for a, a an investment a, a hard capital investment conversation. Yeah, and it's very subjective. Sure. So I've mm-hmm. I've known a few people who have went down the rabbit hole of uh, this whole social calculation for economic benefit. Yep. Um, one of which an example of a a good friend of all of ours. Uh, was in his master's program and did a 
it kind of like a cost benefit analysis on changing the driver's uh the age in which a a kid could get a driver's license yes. or a learner's yeah. permit or whatever it is and then calculating what the difference would be if they changed you know 6 months if they waited 6 months longer right. what yeah. the financial impact return was and then they went through all of the different uh you know, nuances of okay well there's this many fatalities you know on these young drivers you know and it says after 6 months of you know whatever then if they're six months older, they don't have that, um, you know, so you're taking off productive payroll. Yeah. It went through this whole long calculation. And at the end of the day, it looks great. But I kept coming back to this person thinking, but the whole, that's not solving the problem. What you were just articulating in your previous comment was, are, are you really solving the problem? To me, just, you know, Joe Bumpkin over here, the wrecks are happening in the first six months because people are learning how to drive. And if they make it out of that first six months and don't have a wreck, they've probably learned how to drive without yeah. somebody else in the car, you know, with all the different nuances, making sure you're looking around for everybody outside of you. Yeah. So it's the lack of experience. So in my head, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know. I see, yes, that that's correct, but yeah. it's super subjective in the same. You're assuming that it's only because of age. Right. Right. Yeah. And one of the, the things that I drill um, you know, when we talk outside of this, this show is that, you know, direct correlation must be linear. Mm -hmm. If I put in this much over here and that, that is the absolute like thing that's mm -hmm. causing it, then I have to get this return has to be, if I don't, if it's variable, then it's not the direct cause sure. period. Yeah, sure. So I think that's a real life example where mm -hmm. I've seen that and policy is driven off of it. Same, do you have any? Because I've got a, I got a, I want to tie a bow on this. Tie a bow. And how, mm. how this affects us locally. Tie it. I thought Brett did, I thought that was a great way to wrap up. Okay. What all that means. Tie that so, bow, baby. Tie it up. We have. Put a bow on it. <laughs> we have two municipalities um, yeah. that we are both aware of. One is not financially fruitful, mm -hmm. and the other one is extremely financially well off okay okay mm -hmm. so if one of these cities is better financially they're also in a real life example they're not better socially you don't go there to do things right it's a very transactional mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. they have aspirations to be socially better mm -hmm. right but right now, it's a transactional place with a very nice P&L. This other community does not have a good P&L. But socially, people want to be there. They want to be there if they're from the other side of the river. They want to be there if they're anywhere in a 40-mile driving radius. When you go somewhere, you go to this place. Mm -hmm. Even though this place has no money. Even though their balance sheet looks terrible. So... <laughs> Kind of bringing all this together, realistically speaking, because I totally agree with the, the ones and zeros of what we've talked about in this chapter in the infrastructure cult. I get it. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with it. What do you do with that? Where do you want to be? I mean, I feel like we've all said where we want to be based on where we live. Mm -hmm. So my question then becomes, 
how how do municipalities who are fiscally responsible, who are doing quote unquote everything right according to this book, mm-hmm. how can they make that next step to the to start attracting the social aspect? Because you're not going to get there without spending dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you've only accumulated those dollars because you've abdicated that, res- you know, air quote responsibility in the past. And this other community hasn't. You know, they've not done a great job at maintaining it. Yeah. But they're preserving, you know, a lot of the the charm. But still, it's it's the place to be. How how do you reconcile that? It's a great question. So I'm thinking about, and you and you've actually just kind of answered it. The community that has the ter- the challenging balance sheet, but has the social aspect, to in my mind is benefiting from prior financial investment. They they've made strategic investments and have made investments in the past that are paying off now, and it goes and I think that goes toward the social consideration that we we're just talking about now. Yeah. The social consideration is not again; it's not enough for me to want to probably invest my hard dollar. But it is enough for me to maybe willing to go a little further in the investigation of a project or an idea or something. You know, it, mm-hmm. I would at least be willing to go a little further. Um so yeah, I think that I think the the community has made prior investment and is re- reaping that benefit now on the social. Side. On the social mm-hmm. end, but they're also bearing the brunt of the the financial sure because yeah. again, it's a Real investment and a paper return. Sure, there's a whole, there's a whole, and then I'll shut up about it. And I, I oh no, baby, talk. keep talking. No, <laughs> there's a whole. I mean, but there's a whole social consideration of a cultural issue of okay, we had baby boomers, right? And mm-hmm. we had we had a generation of insane rapid investment and growth. And the question being, could we ever actually really afford it anyway, even when we were doing it? Do you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that I think sounds that sounds like Chuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that question is still unanswered, yeah. or or maybe yeah. the answer is coming into is coming into the the clear now. Is the answer is we couldn't afford it because we're struggling to maintain what we built in the '50s, '60s, and '70s now, and we're reducing. We're we're making things smaller. We're we're not. We communities can't afford to upkeep the systems and infrastructure that they have that they built 50 years ago thinking that it would be no problem. So, I mean, I think the answer is kind of already out there, but, and that's a whole, I mean, that's probably a whole another two hour podcast just on that. You mm-hmm. know, could we ever afford it anyway? Yeah. Th- that's the real question. So, yeah, I guess with that, right. If, if I were a consultant that did this for a living, if you were, if I was, right. the question that I would be asking both of these communities, right. If, mm-hmm. If we had one community, say the, the financially stable community that wanted more of the social aspect, mm-hmm. first, let's do a case study of that community that you covet. And you say, what did they get right? And what's missing? Because right now you're in, you're in a very desirable position. And you're about to outlay cold, hard cash. What do you need to do to make sure you're not in their position 20, 30 years from now so that the people that are coming after you can be a steward and standing on your shoulders of what you've done? Do you see what I'm, I'm driving at here? 
you can't, it's not as simple as, and this is where I'll tie it all back around to the infrastructure cult. There's also this, this idea that we've talked about is we just got to do something. I got to do something before I die. I've heard that on several boards that I am on and you're stuck in that, that place. It's like, yeah, this, yeah, I understand, but it's just, a, this isn't the, the best time to do it. Yeah. This just isn't the best time to do it. So, for, or, the, or, the, or the best thing to do with that money. But just looking at the more broader oh. spectrum, it's, we seem to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Nobody seems to learn from anybody else. Yeah. And the, the gap, and we've done this research in-house, the gap from the top performing communities, there can be a community that comes out of the 50th percentile and then just catapults itself into the 90th percentile, and they don't, they don't move historically or statistically speaking, once they get there. They've figured it out. It's lightning in a bottle, and they've got it. And then you see their planning efforts and all these other things that they're doing to combat where they were. They're not going back. So it's really up to the folks, I think, in the middle or in the lower tier to say, what did they do? Can we do it or be derivative of what they did? Yeah. I think, you know, in t- terms of this book, we're talking about infrastructure, but if you want to make social investments, I think that's still important. I think what you would want to do with that is, is may- make sure your balance sheet 5, 10, 15 years from now, that, that either that you can pay for that investment or that, that other aspects of your balance sheet are going to be lost by making it. And I think what Brett's saying with the ones that did make you know, those investments and seeing the reaps of the social aspect of it now, maybe didn't have the foresight to look 5, 10, 15 years later down the road of how they're going to pay for it. So look at everything full circle to make sure that years down the road, you're going to be able to be able to actually make that, make that investment. And don't just make it because we need it or, you know, society says we need this. There's so many other variables. Some people are just lucky. Some people just might be lucky that they've, they've got to a point where they're have no social, but they're, they're doing well and have the foresight to see that. And if you're lucky, I have a, keep I have being a, lucky. If you, a, if you were smart and you got to that point, keep being yeah. smart. I have a saying about being lucky. Yeah. Would you like to hear it? Please. Yeah. <laughs> for, for the folks out there like, oh, these people are so lucky. You know, they're, they're just lucky. You know, if you win the lottery, you're lucky, mm. you know, and they say that's one out of, you know, mm. a bajillion, mm-hmm. right? The other bajillion minus one don't have the luxury of being lucky. They have to be smart. Mm. So don't cry over, oh, they're, they're lucky. Mm-hmm. 99.99999 repeating for almost infinity mm. have to be smart. Yeah. They don't have the luxury of being lucky. You might, mm. we might be sitting on the world's best mm. UFO detection software mm. that's about to mm. pop at any time, yeah. you know, here in our hometown. I can't wait. We may. But in the event we're not, we got to be smart. And I think that's what this whole book is really pointing to and and what you're alluding to. And even if you're lucky, you still need to be smart because if you're lucky and you win the lottery, you got to be smart with with that. Otherwise, you're just going to be back to square one. Yep. What a counseling session. That was good. That was good. So that's the conclusion of, of this chapter. Do you have any closing thoughts or, or hot takes the last thing i would say is uh, as you guys were talking i was thinking about maybe the best example of one of these investments is like the river trail or a river trail mm. yeah i remember and i've said it on this microphone this very room before i can remember when our community was considering building this river trail and there was a lot of people that 
Didn't think it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those investments where it's, and, and this is like counter to everything we're saying here, but it's just like, I feel like it's going to be a good thing. And it's very, there's really no way to quantify how used it would be or what it would mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know that now, I mean, it would take a lot of effort to quantify you know, hey, Tony, how much more business are you seeing now as opposed to before when the bike trail was here and that kind of stuff? But mm-hmm. I say all that to say, I know it's better. I, I see it. You know, I, I can, ex- oh, yeah. I experience that there is a real uptick out there. And it would maybe, and maybe it's the golden goose of like examples of like, it's just the, the one random one where it's like, we're taking a leap of faith and we're going to build this thing and we have hope that it's going to, it's going to pay off in the way that we hope it will. And I think that is a project that has a, so- I mean, there are social, benefits connect with it but it also has a real dollars and cents value yes. that is difficult to calculate but is undoubtedly there so mm-hmm. I, I recognize that yes we are saying all these things and there are examples it, like this that are kind of like the anomaly i get that yeah. so nothing is perfect all right that's going to do it for today's episode if you've uh liked it mm-hmm. or hated it feel free to <laughs> hit us up support at my town hustle We'll be sure to to answer all the hate mail and the the cheers. Absolutely, we appreciate uh, any any reviews or subscriptions to the podcast on whatever platform you're you're consuming it. If you're if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or any of those, just go hit that subscribe button. That helps our our numbers. With that, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.